Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer. Along with Cody Jansen today, pinch hitting for Brendan Escott. This is Oilers Now, brought to you daily by Digitex. Do you want to mention that guests on our show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse? Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, uh, 9990 Jasper Avenue, Roos Chris in Edmonton, the 99th. Roos Chris opened uh, throughout uh, the world. Just had Kevin Lowe on to speak about the passing of uh, Walter Gretzky. Of course, Kevin, uh, one-time roommate of uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, who referred to his father last night as the great one in the uh, tweet that he put out following the passing of Walter Gretzky. As we bring aboard for the River Curry Resort and Casino, one of the most plugged-in men in the business uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers, we welcome back to the show Elliot uh, Friedman. Uh, Elliot, a sad day, but also a day of celebration. Pretty unique personality, uh, Walter Gretzky. I mean, and I know you've had a lot ample opportunities uh to uh, to be around Wayne and uh, and Keith and and all of Gretzky's and uh, they treat people well and you, know, you you often know where those sort of things stem from, don't you? Well, well, of course. I mean, you know, I think that's a good way you put it, Bob, in the sense that it's really sad because everybody felt uh, they knew Walter Gretzky, but it's also a really uh, emotionally. Uh, strong outpouring because everybody felt they knew Walter Gretzky. Um, you know, I. You know, you see people who are big stars, and Walter Gretzky was a big star. And, you know, Don Cherry was this guy when I first started working at Hockey Night. You know, everybody went up to him, and I always saw how he treated people. He was um, he was excellent. If someone came up to him and wanted a picture or to chat, uh, he was excellent at engaging them. And Walter Gretzky was the same way, too. And so I've always kind of... Uh, remembered that and seen that and you know obviously I'm not in the same realm as either of those two people but there's something to be learned about how you treat others someone comes up to you they just want a couple minutes of your time they want to ask a question they want to talk hockey they want to take a a pick a selfie whatever doesn't take a lot to be nice and uh, it's worth a lifetime so you know that's the that's the thing that like I, I told the story a couple times today that you know, the first time I ever interviewed Walter Gretzky was the day of Wayne's last game in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens. And um, they were worried, the Rangers were so worried about the crush of media for that, that they actually did a video teleconference the day before. They said, Gretzky will not be available at the morning skate, we're going to do this. So the morning... They're kind of looking for someone to talk to. It's a big day. And I saw Walter standing near the glass, and I went over and did an interview with him. And I, I was nervous, Bob. I think I was probably about 28 at the time. And, um, you know, I was still pretty new into TV, and this was Walter Gretzky. And uh, he was great. <laughs> I remember I, I said, you know, what are you looking forward to tonight? I wish I had the audio somewhere. And he says, I want to see Wayne score a hat trick. No, no, no. 
two hat tricks. I want two hat tricks. And we were both laughing. It was so, it was so funny. It was so chummy from him. And then, you know, when someone saw me interviewing him, just a, a mob of other reporters came over and he gave everybody time. I think he probably said the same thing to everyone, but he gave everyone the time. And it's, it's a real fun memory from earlier in my career, a long time ago. And when, uh, there's a couple of chances I had to run into him, but that's the one I always remember because it was the first time I'd really spoken to him and he was so incredibly gracious. Well, and we've spoken privately about this before, uh, Elliot. I mean, Wayne and Keith, uh, Keith in August of 2016, and then Wayne in the fall of 1617 uh, rejoined the Oilers organization. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Keith made an immediate impact, and uh, he certainly kept Jack and myself attuned and uh, made sure that uh, nobody would be late for a bus, Jack. But anyhow, I digress. <laughs> and, but but Wayne started... Wayne started uh, uh, he did about a third of the trips and I, it was just it was incredible like it didn't matter if it was Connor McDavid or Eric Greiber or Jeff Lang who plays a super important role for the team on the equipment side or some yep. sti- or some stiff named Stoffer every guy got treated the same way in the plane that's just that's how he, that's how he is and I, I remember we did an event in Nashville and uh, uh, so it was one of our road trips and we, there's a couple guys that have been on a bunch of these trips, and they tend to be pretty loud. They're bigger-than-life personalities. So Wayne, yep. un, unsolicited, showed up at this event, and he went to the quietest people first. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't sit there and go right to the loud yard. Those guys don't need it. He went to the quietest people first, and started, those people were in shock. It was, it was, yep. you know, it was just, and that's... You know, and you can tell where he gets it from, right? And so it just shows you and reinforces. So it's it's a sad day, but it's also a day where you celebrate as well. A pretty unique and special guy. Um, yeah, well, Bob. You know what I wanted to? Remind, I was I was racking my brains about it last night. I couldn't remember the exact situation, but I I want to say it was during the '06 playoff runs. Did Walter not come back to Edmonton for a game and got like a huge ovation yes. and was out? Oh yeah, Cause it, cause I couldn't. It, I couldn't find the video or a reference to it. I I wanted to talk about it and I couldn't find the exact oh, reference. So I wanted, oh. I just wanted to remember that my memory wasn't playing tricks on me. Because you know when you what? get older, you're a geezer like me. Your memory trips on you. But I just wanted to make sure I wasn't making this up. Well, now I'm going to have to get people to text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text. I, I remember. Remember Paul Coffey for sure, and Paul is a guy that he's got. He's a confident man, right? Like he's got a lot yeah, yeah, going yeah. on. Like he, yeah. you, you look at he's got charisma, and he flashed his rings up to the crowd. I remember that, and I'm thinking Mark. I think they wrote. Geez, I, sh- I just had Kevin on the show. I should. I'll text Kevin here in a second here and just uh, find out if Walter was in. But I know they brought several of the you know the Hall of Famers back for the 06, uh, uh you know conference final and final. It was pretty cool. Uh, so we had the, we had the tough news last night on Walter, and then was it surprise? news? The Oilers' next opponent on NHL Hockey and Rogers, and here on 6.30 Chet as well, is going to be the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. They blow yep. out Ottawa 7.30, uh, 7-3. Boom! The Flames announced that Daryl Sutter's coming in. It was. I, I was surprised, and then when I thought about it, I wasn't as surprised. I mean, I, I think when you see that tweet from the team come across, you're like, whoa. You know, the one thing I can tell you, Bob, is that you know, the, 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 the Flames have made two coaching changes in the last year. Um, you know, one was Bill Peters to Jeff Ward, and now 
and even before Jeff Ward was officially confirmed after the bubble, when they were knocked out after they lost to Dallas, and then when they hired him, there was a bit of a gap. And I think in both of those times, the first time with Peters, I think they talked about the possibility of Sutter, but they didn't do it. And I think that the second time before they confirmed Ward as the full-time guy, I think they might have actually talked to Sutter. There were definite, like, I don't. I think it was Jeff Ward or no, or, or it was Jeff Ward in those two cases. But the only guy who might have made them change their mind was Daryl. And I, I watched today Brad Tree Living's media conference, and he did say there had been times they talked to Daryl Sutter about it. So I think that if if there was going to be a coaching change this year, it was only going to be for him. And so the more I thought about it. Um, the more I said, okay, yes, I'm surprised. I didn't, you know, see it coming. But when I realized it was him, some of my surprise waned. I, I just think that they feel and that um, it just wasn't working. There's a lot at stake. They're two points back of the Canadians for the final playoff berth, and the Canadians have two games in hand. There's a lot on the line there, and um, I just feel they want somebody who can uh, who can get the best out of players and challenge them, and Daryl Sutter is certainly one of those guys. Uh, we're just getting some clarification. Last game at Rexall Place, um, and I know there was a presentation before the game because my mother-in-law, who has since passed away, who worked for the Oilers for 25 years, was on the ice with Cal Nichols, and there was six Oilers employees. Patrick LaForge was out there at that time as well. And uh, But Walter Gretzky did come in for the last game at Rexall Place and received amongst the loudest cheers in the building for that one. He was also, I'm being told, in the building on March the 11th of 2019 as well and received a significant... No, I think it was before... Like, because you're, think, you're thinking the, you were thinking it was an 06 during the during yeah the I do because I wasn't at the last game at Rexall like by that time I was a full time studio person okay but back in 06 I was still like a ringside reporter yeah, uh, I remember what I love doing so <laughs> I like I was around for a game where Walter was I think he came and there was a huge ovation for him like I I've okay. never forgotten the reception he got I just can't remember the exact circumstances. Okay, well, well, we'll continue to work away that. We've just had multiple texts coming in. Oh, last game, Rex, so, so, so there you have it. So you're not surprised that the Flames made this decision based upon the fact that it was Daryl Sutter. Uh, we've heard some... I was surprised when it happened, and then the more I thought about it, I was, like, slightly less surprised. Put it that way. Is this a reflection upon the fact that there's a perception in Calgary that mm-hmm. that a soft touch doesn't necessarily, which I think the best people want to be pushed, Elliot, and mm-hmm. so it all depends on how you view being pushed. But you kind of know where you're at with Daryl Sutter, don't you? <laughs> like, yes, you do. Like, and, and the thing about Sutter is I do think, and it was interesting to listen to him talk today, I do think he's a guy who, uh, um, when you look at the way he started coaching, which was 30 years ago, and you look at the way he is now, I think he obviously recognizes that there are things you could do then that you, or say then that you can't do now. 
okay? And, um, you know, I, like, I, like, I remember talking to the Kings guys when they won that first cup or they were playing the Devils for that first cup in 2012, just asking them what Sutter was like. And they said that like, right before games, he would, he would, you know, he'd get right in front of a guy. He'd put his hands on his, on his own knees. He'd lean into them. The faces would be close, and he'd be like, do you have what I need from you tonight? Are you going to give me what I need from you tonight, what we need from you, what your teammates need from you? And, like, they would say, like, some of them, they would kind of laugh about it a little bit because it was so new, but they would say it worked. Like, he really knew how to get the best out of some of their guys. Now, I don't know if it's something that can last five years, Bob, but I think in the short term he will do it. I think it's also an admission. You know, the Flames, I think, have tried to do some things. They, They have a very active general manager. Um, they have a, he's, he's one of the most active guys in the league. Um, he's been looking around. He can't get it, – it's so hard, especially with the quarantine, as you guys have been through with your goalies. Yep. And I think he's saying, I can't do that, so I'm going to do this. And, you know, they, they haven't been very good. Um, they've had a lot of really weird nights. They've had a lot of bad losses. And, you know, I think the other thing is I think the two guys that immediately will uh, be different because of this, I think, will be Bennett and Kachuk. Bennett, we all know he wants to trade. He hasn't been very good this year. He was a scratch the other night. And Kachuk, after a hot start, it slowed down for him a little bit. And I think those guys will be emboldened. And I think that he hopes that there will be more than just those two, but I could see those two having an immediate impact under him. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting right after the Muzzin Gate thing happened with uh, Kachuk. He, he yeah. went through a pretty lengthy, you know, he's a he's an impactful player, and he was quiet there for a while. I still haven't been able to figure out Bennett because, to me, you watch the guy in the playoffs, and, and you just wonder, maybe he just can't play at that size in the regular season. Maybe it's just that different of a game. In the playoffs, everybody hits, everybody's engaged, and he's as, he's as good as anybody at doing that stuff, but there's a different tempo and pace and feel to the regular season game, and I wonder if he's a victim a bit of that. Uh, Buffalo Sabres. Yep. 45-18 outshot last night. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall got a second goal, his first in 19 games. Yeah. Uh, something like good, and I, I don't want like I, I don't want to radio you. Uh, but no, I, no, it's, I, it's you know, fine, Bob. Like, uh, like, like, look, like everybody can see what's going on there, right? Um, you know, I think the one thing that makes it really harder is that there's no team in the league that went through a harder COVID yes uh, situation than them. And maybe they didn't have the numbers that Dallas did or New Jersey did, but the strain that they got affected them tremendously. And Kruger, too. Like, Kruger had talked to not just the players, but the coach. And, you know, I think that whatever happened there, like like one of the shows I do every week is The Instigators, which is Andrew Peters and Craig Reve in, in Buffalo, and I'm on with them on Thursday mornings. And, and, you know, they asked me, do you think Kruger's in trouble? And, you know, I said, I think, I, I don't know if anybody in that organization is safe, but I said that one of the things that makes it harder for them is, is, is what they went through there. And because it, it, it's, it, it's no coincidence to me that 
you know, Reves said he thought they were starting to play better right before then. And then ever since they went through this, they've been terrible. And, like, like to me, that's not insignificant. Now, the people who are hardcore Sabres fans, they will point out that it's been a decade of this. And I'm not arguing with them. They're right. There's, there's certainly been uh, serious issues running through this franchise for some time. And... You know, I think they're going to have to. They're going to have to have some tough conversations with some of their players after the season. But I think for this year, that situation and how it affected them, it's not insignificant, Bob. Like some teams have come out of COVID and done very well. Carolina is one of them, um, but other teams have come out of it and done very poorly. And I, I don't think that you know Buffalo, um, you know, going through what they went through and some of the concerns that some of their players face and the symptoms that some of their players face, I don't think that that is a coincidence. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, we saw Brett Seabrook announce. Yep. Did he technically announce his retirement today? Or no, what did... it, it, it's like... Um... It's like the kind. It's like the guys who. It's like Chris Pronger, right? Like okay. I'm not retiring. Um, like Thomas Steen, I'm not retiring, but I'm not going to be playing. That's what right. it is. So how does the cap work in that situation? For well, Chicago? first of all, I don't think they're going to have to protect them from the expansion draft. Um, okay. One of the things that they talk about with uh, our guys who are technically injured and not playing. So and they tend to be ex- uh, accepted from the expansion draft. And I was told today that is the most likely scenario for Seabrook. Although that could change, I was told that was most likely. What does it mean for the cap? It means that if the if the if the Blackhawks are over, they can go into LTI and, and use his cushion, and insurance will pick up most of his contract. Um, but like I mean. What a what a player! I mean, I, I know it hadn't gone very well for him lately, but in the peak, he was a huge part of that team, and he literally gave his body to help the Chicago Blackhawks win three Stanley Cups. And man, he cared. Like I, I know that the last couple of years were very hard on him. He badly wanted to play. Uh, he really hoped that all the time off last year was going to help him get his body back. It just couldn't happen. And, you know, that's a guy who basically gave his body for the Blackhawks to win three cups. And I love dealing with him. And I, 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 he hated, sometimes he just hated talking to us. Absolutely hated it. But he always did it. And he was kind of funny about it and uh, wasn't big on attention. But, man, he cared about the Blackhawks. You know, it's interesting. David Bacchus went through a period where it seemed like he kept on fighting Canadian Olympians, including Jonathan Taze. And Bacchus is a big, strong, you know, guy that can handle himself. And Brent Seabrook kind of took care of that when it was all said and done, right? Like that was Seabrook, tough guy, man. Not, you know, <laughs> when he played he... hard, man. Hey, the former Lethbridge Hurricane. All right, Elliot, final one for you. How long have you lived in Toronto? Your whole life? Pretty much. The so four years I I went to uh, Western uh, okay. are accepted, but so I guess forty-seven of fifty-one years or fifty. How old am I? Fifty, forty-six of fifty. Is this the best Leafs team you've ever seen? Um, you know, I remember um, the the team that in, in nine, that when the Jays won their second World Series, which was '93. That team set an NHL record. They won their first ten games, right? And we were kind of sitting there going, "How good is this team?" Um, I think it has a chance to be. 
Um, like, what happened this week? Like, I mean, you saw me on TV, Bob. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I like, I, I think that I have the same questions about the Maple Leafs that I think a lot of other people do, and it's only the first week of March. Like, the playoffs don't begin for another two months. Yep. Yep. But if that's the way they're going to play, they're going to have a chance. And, you know, I said, and it's a bit controversial in the city, but I, I said that, uh, you know, I'd love to see them play Boston and Tampa and Colorado and Vegas just to know exactly what we're dealing with here. But you can only play the teams on your schedule, and they look really good. I think, you know, they've won with the backup. They've won with their number three. They've had injuries and guys out, and they still won. I do think that the GM is going to go hunting for a top six winger. And I'm really curious to see what he's going to end up with there. I I, I think this they're, this week this week against you guys it convinced them they're all in they're pushing in the chips. Yeah, uh, you know from an Oilers perspective, I mean I know I had this conversation too with John Shannon. I, I I sort of had Edmonton eight through sixteen in the league, and he said, well maybe six through ten you could make it. And this was before the series, and now obviously mm-hmm. there's some questions after the series. The Oilers know exactly where they stand. They know how much dramatically they're going to have to improve in order. To, but the that was a clinic for three straight games. And i got to tell you, Elliot, being in the building, once they got up 2-0 in the second and third game, you were, and that's why I was so mad on the, the second goal against the Koskinen gave up on the Nylander mm-hmm. goal where there were about four yeah. mistakes on that play. Because I, I, Edmonton had had a decent start in game one. Had a de- all, or, sorry. all three of those games, Bob. Edmonton got the first three or four chances. And they didn't capitalize. I don't know how many times a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl is going to get 88 shots on goal in three games and score one goal. But Toronto were were terrific, and they, they were in virtually every facet. And I would be pretty, you know, I would be, if I was a Leafs fan, I'd be fairly calm. Hey, I'm the guy that thought they were going to beat Boston in 2019. And you know what? I'll st- I said this yesterday to Louie. Nazem Kadri, if he's, if he stays in that series, I mean, the Leafs lost in seven. You can't yeah. tell me that that didn't affect Toronto. Who oh, knows yeah. what, who knows what would have happened, but they got a good team. They got some good older veterans have got some gamesmanship. Um, it looks like they've got better uh, support goaltending than they've had before. They're on the cutting edge of a bunch. Of th- I mean, they got some fast. Uh, you know, the guys. other thing here too is Bob is that we're not talking contracts about them. It got right. too much here. Yeah, you know, Matthews is locked in for a bit. Marner's locked in for a bit. Um, you know, Nylander and Tavares are locked. You don't have to talk about contracts now, and they can just concentrate on playing. It's a big they're, deal. They're top four D. All play twenty minutes of games, and, and they can defend as well in their experience. Great stuff, Elliot. We appreciate your time. Thank you for shedding some insight on your own personal experiences with Walter Gretzky, and we'll hook up next week. All right, Bob, have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the Battle of Alberta tomorrow night. We will try to. Uh, we're going to merge a couple breaks together here, Cody. So uh, I basically have already broke uh, protocol. Uh-oh. Uh, you can keep texting us at 780-496-0063. And, and, you know, Toronto playing the second of a back-to-back against Vancouver. They outplayed them in stretches last night, lost 3-1, and Demko was terrific. That's the other thing. Toronto got better goaltending than Edmonton in all three games. Based on the practice today, it looks like Mike Smith might start tomorrow. The Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every uh, goal the Oilers score, James H. Brown will donate $100 to the 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. The Flames are basically the Oilers' opponent in the next game. They're basically healthy. They got Derek 
Brian back last night. He had a goal and an assist. They actually healthy scratch Sam Bennett. For Edmonton, uh, Cassian is not with the main group at this stage yet. Uh, he still remains out. He's on LTIR. William Lagason was skating today with Adam Larson. Um, that is a sign that he's going to come back in. Uh, if I was to hazard a guess, I, I, it looks like Jones and Bear are out. They would be on the active roster. The orders would obviously not put those guys uh, out on waivers. And... Um and Turris was sort of in the 5C hole. He'd probably be on the active roster, which means the Oilers are going to have to move some other guys around. Maybe a guy like Tyler Ennis if they're going to indeed activate Devin Shore. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec, Glenn Gullitson, Oilers associate coach, still to come on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.